Which cat is that? Oh, let me is see this? Kitty. Oh, this is Caffrey. Caffrey? As in Billy? Hi! Oh, hi, buddy. Um, as in Neil Caffrey from White Collar. Every writer knows that the best conversations about writing don't happen in classrooms or symposia or any other fancy artisanal setting. They happen at the bar, usually after deadline. That's the vibe we're going for here. This is The Other 51, a podcast about writing and the writing life. I'm Dr. Brian Moritz. Today's guest is Dr. Shannon McCarthy from the University of Central Missouri. Dr. Shannon McCarthy, welcome back to The Other 51. Thanks for joining me again. Hello, I'm glad to be here. And it's a solo turn. You know, it's a good thing, too. We don't have Lauren Smith with her, you know, look at me. I ran, I'm awesome and ran eight Ironman triathlons and, and did all this amazing stuff. And, and I'm drinking water here. So that's my healthy kick. So it's good. I, I'm, I'm just proud. I'm like, I ran a 5K the other day. I've been doing that. I've got one more this weekend. I will leave the Ironmans to her. Yes. Uh, and I will... Um, Stick with the stuff that I find more fun and more yes. entertaining. <laughs> we will, and, and we joke. We applaud Lauren at a distance and rock yes. on with, we, with her awesome. We definitely do. I'm like, I just know I'm like, I would never, ever have the, um, like, ability to do one of those. So I, I applaud her. But, yeah. Yeah. I like sleep. <laughs> I like to sleep a lot more. We like sleep. We like bacon and sleep a lot more than anything else. Basically. Right? So I mean, you know. Wonderful things in this world. Yes. So uh, anyway, this is a very exciting episode, kind of a, I hate to say very special episode because it sounds like, you know, an 80s Blossom episode, but um, but it is. It's, it's kind of a themed episode we have going here, and it was your idea. You texted me actually this morning with this idea for uh, for a topic to talk about, and uh, I thought it was cool, so we, we, we were, we're getting right to it. So why don't you uh, kind of introduce the topic and kind of what you're thinking of here? Um, so one of the things that I've kind of been thinking, um, at the beginning of October, they had, uh, there was mental health awareness week and, um, world mental health day. And that's something that is a topic that I think we don't really talk enough about it. Um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, two of my students in my sports marketing class did a presentation on mental health and athletes and a lot of the struggles that they've gone through that, um, that athletes go through and how there have been some, some at least structural changes within different leagues to kind of improve uh, the opportunities for for athletes to you know get the help that they need. Um, oddly enough, right after they had their presentation, I stumbled across Michael Phelps. I think it's the Headspace commercial that he was in. So that was kind of interesting. And I was like, oh, huh, interesting. Um, and so it, it's something that I you know I. I've dealt with stuff on and off for as long as I can remember. Um, and it's something that I think a lot of times as academics, as PhDs, we either don't want to acknowledge um, or don't want to talk about with others because, you know, we feel like, hey, we're, you know, we've got PhDs. We should be able to, you know, outsmart all this stuff. And we can't. Um, and so for me, it's something that I think is really important to talk about and really important to be a be an advocate to make sure that we take care of people who need it. 
Right. No, I, I, I absolutely agree. And it's one of those things that, you know, I think with um, advocacy towards mental health and knowledge of it and recognition of it is certainly improving and is certainly getting, I think, a lot better than it was like when I was an undergrad in the 90s. I mean, it's certainly much more um, let's it's much more common to be diagnosed or to be or to have students say, you know, I have depression, I have anxiety, I have ADHD, something, uh, something along those lines. Um, and it's not, you know, it, it's interesting because there still is a stigma to it. But I think I feel like it's an evolving stigma in a weird way. Like it's not the taboo. We don't talk about this at all anymore. But there is still you're right. You know, you get in any kind of, you know, competitive area and certainly in its own way academia and being a doc student a phd student or even a master's student at a high level program certainly ha- has a certain level of competition and competitiveness and um and, and, and yeah it, it, it you know as we as we deal with it both ourselves as writers and as researchers and kind of guiding students along and kind of coaching them at it it's such an important topic to uh to talk about kind of um as openly as people are comfortable with. I think that's kind of a big thing too. You don't want to necessarily force someone to, you know, it's one of the weird things I always feel about the stigma talk is like, yes, we should do what we can to, to eliminate the stigma around mental health. But if you don't want to talk about what you're going through, I don't feel like you should kind of be forced to, or be, you know, driven to do so. And in the, you know, under the auspices of we're getting rid of a stigma, but you shouldn't be ashamed or shy about talking about it if you feel like it helps you either. Yeah. And, and I would agree wholeheartedly. I would never want to put someone in a position that, you know, it's actually going to be more detrimental. I'm, I'm kind of the mind that I think if we just keep burying it, that it's not, I mean, it's obviously not going to get any better. Um, And so it's, it's something that, yeah, there's definitely, I would say I've, I've I've definitely seen a decrease in some stigma. Um, I think there's certain aspects I've seen kind of over time, kind of that reverse to a point. Um, what one of the funny things I was uh, I was actually um, diagnosed as having attention deficit issues uh, the semester that I was finishing my master's. So I had gotten through everything. Um, and what's kind of funny is we just, with women, the symptoms are just very different from males. So it's not the, you know, the kid who can't sit still. It's not the kid who's just kind of going crazy and has no control over emotions. Um, it's women just kind of uh, experience it very differently. Um, and so I'm pretty open about talking about it. And I don't have a problem. Like, you know, it's like the days where I, I forget to take my ADD meds, pretty entertaining for people, (laughs) um, less entertaining for me, but you know, it's, it's something that I deal with. Um, I'm very open. You know, it's like if I, uh, let's see in, in the spring, I, uh, tore some cartilage in my knee and, you know, I'm on crutches. I'm open about that. You know, if someone's going to ask me what's going on, I'm going to tell them. Um, and I'm kind of, you know, I've dealt with enough things that I'm like, how is mental health any different? Mm-hmm. You know, it's still an issue that we're dealing with. It's still something that needs to be taken care of. Maybe just because you can't see it does not mean that it's not there. Does not mean it's 
not something that shouldn't be kind of treated in a similar manner. And people shouldn't have, you know, those opportunities to um, really just get that improvement and help. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of one of the, the topics we had mentioned talking, mentioned issuing, you know, and it's something that, um, you know, I dealt with kind of mild to moderate depression and anxiety, you know, ebbs and flow, kind of ebb and flow uh, situational yeah. thing. Um, and, you know, it, it is that, that, that contrast between physical health and mental health, you know, I think is especially, especially strange and especially tough to deal with. Um, and kind of getting on a writing point of view, like, you know, I had a, like last summer was especially rough for anxiety, depression for, you know, reasons that super aren't super interesting and reasons don't matter. I mean, that's one of the things with mental mental health, right? That's one of the the first things you learn when you start dealing with it is there's not a reason for it or not, uh, you know, anything like that. What I, but, and so last summer I actually missed the first, my first ever deadline. Um, and it was because, you know, I was dealing with going through a lot and I had a book chapter due August 1st and I just couldn't get it done for whatever. And luckily I had a wonderful, wonderful editor. She's the best. I emailed her. I explained what was happening. It's, and I had enough done that I could say, like, if I could have a week, a week or two weeks or whatever, I can finish it off. She was very gracious and I got it done and the book came out and it's fantastic. And it was, I'm really proud of the chapter. And all. Yay. Um, but, um, but, but, so, and, and I, and I've wondered about this a lot and I struggle with it myself and I've, my students have written about mental health too, um, in our journalism classes at Oswego. And I wonder, and, and it's one of the, the, the challenging things I think when dealing with mental health is when did, when am I like, when am I having mental health issues and when am I just a lazy human being? You know, because, because, and and that sounds flip and I don't necessarily mean it as such, but you know, when you have kind of, when you deal with mental stuff, you know, writer's block is real and it's not just, you know, um, you know, lazy writer's block. It's, you know, you know, we're going to get to imposter syndrome in a little bit, but it's feeling kind of, it's feeling worthless. It's feeling like you can't say anything that's worthwhile. And holy crap, is there a lot of pressure doing that when you're writing academic papers and, you know, your tenure file depends on it and all that. And it adds up on that. But at the same time, I can be a really lazy human being just in general. And I can procrastinate like nobody's business. And then you get into a cycle where you're procrastinating for whatever reason because you're procrastinating. And then you realize you're not writing and you try to write and you can't and you feel bad. And, and then you, and then that it, it compounds on itself and then you're feeling bad and you're like that. And then, oh, man, I can't write because I'm depressed. Well, am I really depressed or am I just being – am I just procrastinating and then cycling it back on itself? So that's always been a challenge. And I wonder, you know, if you've felt that and kind of how you, you know, how you navigate the difference between this is something versus get your button gear. And that, and that I will say is really hard. And that's definitely something that I struggle with. Um, I mean, I, I will be honest. Um, my, the way my PhD program went, um, halfway through my program, I ended up having to switch programs, um, for a couple of reasons. Um, and everything ended up working out, but, finishing and having to write the dissertation at the speed that I had to write it in marketing. Um, I wrote mine a lot faster than any of my, uh, anyone that I came in with. Um, and it was really, really tough. Um, it was just mentally and emotionally draining, um, doing in about eight months, what my office mate took about two years to do, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it was, uh, that was a really super fun year. 
oh, and being on the job market. Yay. <laughs> um, and so, you know, it's like, I wasn't taking good care of myself. I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't doing any of the things that I should have been doing. And so by the time I was just, I was done, I was, I was done. I was just mentally just shot. And it took me the better part of a year to even want to look at touching my dissertation to get published somewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, and I will definitely say it's been, I really struggled. Um, you know, part of my problem is that, well, it's both good and bad with the job that we have. Mm -hmm. It's awesome that we have a you know great flexible schedule. Um, when you do deal with tension deficit issues and, or you do deal with depression and anxiety, um, you know, you know, idle hands, it's, it's an issue when I, you have mm -hmm. idle hands and you have that freedom. Um, and so it, it does, yeah, it does kind of go into that. Well, am I lazy or am I, um, what am I doing? Um, uh, I'm, I'm still working on having, you know, coming up, well, what are, what are some better, um, coping strategies that I can think of, what are not, um, and trying to figure out, well, how can I block my time so that I'm accessible when I need to be accessible to students, but at the same time, I can protect my own time and be able to work when I need to work. Right. Um, and so, so I've been trying to kind of just balance the two things, which is hard. Um, and it's, it is really difficult to kind of parse the two out and look at them as two separate issues. Um, and honestly, I think so much of it really is intertwined. You really can't break the two of them out too much because I do think they're going to end up compounding each other regardless of which way you go. So even if it is the depression, um, you know, I, I, I don't want to say, you know, depression makes you lazy. I mean, I know that everything I've dealt with as well, it's like some days it is just a victory to get out of bed some days when you're dealing with depression. Um, and so, you know, it's, I don't really think there's a good way to break the two apart. I think they're just too intertwined to really be able to truly parse them out. I mean, I know there are times where I'm like, yeah, I'm just being lazy. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I can usually figure out where my head is. You know, when you deal with crap for a long time, you can usually start to figure out, well, I'm actually feeling really good. Yeah, this is a function of my being lazy. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's time to buckle down. Yeah. And so it's a little bit easier, I, I think, especially as I've gotten older, I think I've gotten better at recognizing when, um, you know, what, where I am mentally. So. Yeah, no, I, 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 I agree. The, uh, the, the kind of test I've started to do in life is, like, I will try to start working, you know, whether that's writing, you know, a part for a journal article or a blog entry or you know, just doing some stuff. And I, I have found that if I'm not in a kind of bad mental place, that, 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 that momentum starts to kick in. And once you start working, you kind of start getting a little, you're able to get some stuff done. It's when you don't, like you start to work and you absolutely almost physically can't. That's when you kind of know that, yeah, that's kind of the, the breaking point of, of dealing with some, of dealing with some stuff. And, you know, I think, you know, there is something to be said for, you know, kind of self-knowledge on that and being easy on yourself, taking it easy on yourself and being like, okay, I'm not going to get this done today. I'm not going to be able to get much writing done today. Let's, you know, kind of scale back expectations a little bit. Um, that can be super helpful with that. Um, 
And just, you know, like, like you said, I think taking care of yourself is such a big deal about it. Knowing what you need, what your body needs on that can be, it, it is just super, super duper important with that. And, and um, so in terms of, you know, you mentioned what we were texting before the, uh, before, earlier today when you came up with this idea, um, the dreaded, and this is big, big time in our field now, imposter syndrome. Um, and, and, um, you know, it's, it's real and also very trendy. I feel like, I feel like it's a very slate thing to be talking about and to be writing about on there. Right. (laughs) Um, so I, I mean, what does, so what does imposter syndrome look like for you and feel like for you? Um, well, I'll be perfectly honest for several months after I defended, I, would cry regularly feeling like I was a pity pass on my PhD. Um, which I'm like, I know I am perfectly capable of these things and I'm a bright human being. And at the same time I'm going, what am I doing now? I have to be the expert in the room. Um, I think for me, a lot of it has to do with, you know, for me, it really is the writing and it is a lot of what I'm doing. You know, there, there are times where, I worry in the classroom if, um, you know, if I'm not the most knowledgeable one, but at the same time, I also realized that, no, I really do know this stuff. Um, I was really nervous when I, when I came to uh, UCM that I was going to be teaching uh, marketing research, which was a class I was not expecting to, and it was a brand new prep for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was a little bit terrified, but the more I was in it, the more I realized that I know this stuff and I know this stuff cold. Um, and I, right now I'm in like the point of the semester where I'm like a giddy schoolgirl because I'm <laughs> doing my, I'm doing my favorite part. I'm doing stats and teaching SPSS and I have way too much fun with that. And my students are like, take it down a notch, please. <laughs> like, Dr. M, what are you doing? And I'm just like, but it's so much fun. <laughs> like, no, it's not. It's stop. Um, so I'm like, I, I honestly, like some of those times where I realize like I get this stuff and I really, I'm passionate about it to me, that helps me kind of alleviate some of that. The imposter syndrome though, it's, it's the writing. I, I worry that what I'm going to write is I'm going to get just reviewer two is just going to be the complete asshole that reviewer two always <laughs> is. Um, and so I'm like, I'm going to get these comments that are just like, Oh my God, what am I even thinking? Any, you know, self-confidence I've had built up is just outdoor. Um, and so I'm like, for me, it's a lot of times that is the hardest thing for me to get going. I know I have really interesting ideas for studies and things to look at. People tell me these things. Remember, I'm at conferences. We have great discussions with people. Um, but then I go to sit down and write it and I'm just like, were they just pitying me? And telling me my idea was cool, or is this actually cool? And then I, I, yeah, you get that, you just freeze, and you're like staring at that blank piece of paper, which is the worst thing in the world. Um, it just stares back at you, and there's nowhere to go with it. Uh, you just have to figure out how to fill that blank piece of paper. Um, and so it's that for me is, I think where it really does stand out. I feel good in the classroom. I know what I'm talking about. Um, I'm, 
I'm I, I got I got some game when I want to have game. Um, but then when I sit down to write, I'm just like, I go back to feeling like I'm that brand new baby doc student that's like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Am I really the expert in the room? Shit. I, I, you said it really well. Like, I, like there are so many times when I, I, I feel the same way. When you sit down to write, and, you're, and, and I do, I still feel like a graduate student. You know, I'm in my fifth year teaching. Um, I'll go out for tenure next year. And I still feel like that that first-year master's student who's learning what a literature review is and, for, and remembering how to put it together and what to be and, and how to be writing. And, and, and you know, it's a you know, and, and it's been so weird for me, you know, and kind of my situation being unique going from the professional world and a very different kind of writing to this, where I don't know, you know, that, that kind of compounded it, I think, a little bit for me. Because, like, as a reporter, I, I, I had some game. Like, I know where my skills leveled out, and I was perfectly fine with that. But I knew, like, put me at a game, and I can write 800 words, and I'm going to own and I, I'm gonna own this. Um, but now I'm coming into, I mean, when you get into academia, you know, it is such a different form of writing. You know, it's a very um, structured format. Boring. It's a very boring format. It's a very, um, you've got to check off all the, not not just all the boxes, but all the right boxes. So I mentioned putting together a literature review. For those of you who have never written a paper before, that's the part of the paper where you cite all the previous studies in the area, you know, what they found and the theoretical basis, all that. And there is just like, if you, the fear, the, so where's the fear come in? You have to cite the right ones. You can't leave out a proper theory or a proper author on that. Um, and you have to lay out, and you're writing a scientific paper. So you're writing something that's going to has to be, if it's an experiment or a quantitative, it's got to be replicable. I mean, it's got to be, your, your data analysis has to be pretty sharp. And it's, it's such a different format. And, you know, you realize that, you know, when you're writing for, let's say, like you get an assignment for a magazine or a newspaper or uh, some other, for a website, like you're not really in direct competition with anybody else like you are in terms of you know overall level of you know your career and when you're going for a job but if i get assigned a feature for a website for a thousand words i'm not going to have three reviewers going over it and saying whether this is any good or not you know it's they have a specific, specifically a place for it when you're writing academia you're writing blind you're writing a study you're doing a study and you're sending it out unsolicited to a, to a journal hoping that these three reviewers, including that dickhead reviewer too, are going to like it and think you did a good enough job for it to get published. And your career is writing on that. I mean, if you don't get pubs, you're not going. You know, you're, you're not. Gonna go, you're not going to get to move schools. Yeah. You're going to have to move schools. You're going to. You know, your, your job is going to change. And holy shit, that's a lot of pressure. And I think that, and, you know, so, and, and that pressure also comes from, like, if I'm submitting a, a, an article to, let's say, Common Sport, just because I have a couple right here on my desk, you know, that's great. And, you know, I've got some game on this. But if Lawrence Wenner and Jimmy Sanderson and Lauren Smith are submitting and Galen Clavio are going to, you know, they're all fighting for the same spots in this thing. And they're as experienced as I, you know, more experienced, more pubs, different, you know, different research agendas and whatever. And like you're in direct competition with them. You're fighting, you know, you're, you're playing at the NBA level here. Um, and that's the level you've got to play at. And it is scary. 
Um, and it, and, and I think it, it, it can lead to, it does lead to, you know, this notion of imposter syndrome. So, you know, what you, you kind of mentioned, you're, you're learning how to deal with it. So what are some of those strategies you've kind of come up with, not just with imposter syndrome, but kind of dealing with all of these anxiety, ADHD, mental health issues and kind of overcoming them? Like what, what's working for you in kind of beating them back, so to speak, and getting stuff done? Um, so a couple, couple different things that I do. Um, and I'm, and I'm, I'm very upfront with people. Um, I do enjoy going to a counselor and I was actually talking with some of my students today and I'm like, it is super healthy for people to do that. I don't care how great you're feeling. It's really good to just go check in with someone because there's going to be something that's maybe not directly in the front of your brain, but tickling right at the back that, it can pop up at any time. You know, I encourage my students, hey, if you've got a big life change, like, you know, graduation mm-hmm. coming up, go talk with somebody, you know, get, make sure your head's in the right space. It is really hard to transition from being in school. I mean, I remember when I, um, you know, when I retired from swimming at the end of college, it was an excruciating kind of um, transformation because this was a huge part of my identity and all of a sudden it was just gone and I had to figure out, well, how do I make friends? How do I do this? How do I function like an adult? And it was, it was really, really hard for me. And, you know, finding a a good counselor, somebody to talk to was really helpful. Um, I have been, like I said, I ran a 5k the other day. I've been trying to run. I do know that working out does make me feel better as much as I don't always like to admit it because, you know, I like sleep and I like laying on the couch with my cats because they're kind of awesome. Um, and you know, it's like when you're depressed, some days it's just hard to get up and do things. Um, and so one thing, uh, it's not really the best medium, but, um, <laughs> so we're, we're, not, we're doing this on a Skype call, but, um, I have some, uh, coloring books with grown-up language, and I find those very soothing to work on. Um, it said "Good morning, asshole." We don't have to censor. It said "Good morning, asshole." On it there. did. It, it it really did. Yeah. Um. So I. It, um. It's funny because I have a couple of those coloring books, uh, adult grown-up coloring books, and they're. I can. I found them in the past to be pretty good at, at, at that. My wife hates them because she is so like detail-oriented and very perfect that she can't that like it's more stress for her to do that i will second what you say about the counselor or therapy or whatever kind of level you're at and you know um you know the the you know i've got a very very good therapist um and one of the benefits you see is like it's just good to talk no matter how amazing your your wife or husband or significant other or your friends are and i'm sure everyone we all have great support systems it's really good to have somebody who has no stake or no stake in your life to talk to about this stuff. Like I can talk to my wife about, and my wife gives me great advice. The joke is my therapist tells me all the same stuff that my wife does, but I listen to my therapist more than I, my, my wife. But Well, that's because you know, you're paying her. <laughs> true. But also um, th- there's this, you know, she doesn't have stake in the game. Like she doesn't have, yeah. uh, you know, you know, she's got, you know, it, it's, it's a purely uh, objective point of view which is helpful. Um, I have found, you know, um, you know, exercise, you know, not, you know, drinking actual water instead of coffee throughout the day, you know, helps. I have found too, um, in terms of kind of, you know, writing specific stuff, I find a, a place 
that works for you, you know, getting out of the house yeah. can getting very, very much location. help. Getting to a good location. I love the library that we have in my village. Um, and I don't go there nearly enough, but, you know, just, you know, getting, you know, and again, there's that, that, that awesome freedom that we have as academics, but it's also, you know, oh, great, I have all this freedom. Oh, great, I have all this freedom. I don't have to be in the office, which is wonderful. It's a, it's a blessing. But at the same time, like, there's something to that structure of I'm, in, I'm going to this location and I'm working for this amount of time without, looking around and, oh, crap, I have to do the laundry, I have to mow the lawn, I've got to, you know, uh, flip dishes, all that stuff. So the the library, a coffee shop, you know, whatever, you know, being, and not necessarily talking to other people, but I I have found just kind of being out in the world and around people, even with headphones on, it it can be just super helpful because it's kind of like unpot you is an expression I've heard that is super helpful and kind of, you know, helps you get get you know getting out of the house kind of gets your gets out of your head a little bit and and you know i'm not saying you'll do necessarily great work but it can be helpful to just you know feel a little less stagnated and feel a little less um uh stuck for lack of a better word i will say um oddly enough for me i do enjoy my office um on the weekends just because it is really quiet um and not that I, you know, bothers me when students come by. It doesn't at all, but it's nice to be able to kind of chill out and write at my own pace and not have to worry about any interruptions. Um, I always feel kind of bad because I do, when I'm at work, even during the week, I work with my door shut just because my, my office is my, I'm right in a hallway that's right by the copy machine. And so you've got people walking by and it just, can get loud. And so a lot of times I will just put my headphones on and close the door. Um, that being said, a lot of my students apparently don't think to knock on the door. Um, so when they're looking for me, they just assume I'm not there. And I'm like, (laughs) y'all, come on. Like, did you try knocking? Well, no. Oh, good. Good (laughs) Lord. I was in there. Oh, well, like, so, I mean, for me, I actually find that to be a pretty helpful space. Um, I do like to go wander over to the library and read when I can. Um, I'm a lot of times it's, I get kind of lazy because in Missouri, it's either, you know, 95 degrees and 95% humidity or it's 40 degrees and breezy and just not fun. Not that that's cold for you being (laughs) up where you are, but I'm a big baby. I grew up in California and I'm like, y'all, what, what is cold? What? No. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. You you wouldn't last a a minute up here. So I would be in about 16 layers. Yeah, that's about right. Conservative. Um, (laughs) Right. Of course. Um, is this so? I, I'm going to steal this the, this question from a great podcast, "The Hilarious World of Depression," um, which I can highly recommend. And I'll expand out the question a little bit. Are All mental right. health issues funny? I and that's a tough one. Um, I have found that if I, you know, there are times where I do need to take things seriously, but at the same time shit that's really painful is a lot easier to deal with if you can laugh. If you can go, you know what? 
you know, 17 things went wrong. I'm, you know, I'm feeling like crap about teaching. I got rejected from a journal. My house is about to fall down. And I'm just, I feel just really, really depressed. Sometimes if you can find a way to joke about it, it just makes it bearable to mm-hmm. where you don't feel like you're just drowning and having to be serious all the time. I have, I mean, I have the driest sense of humor. Um, my poor students n- don't pick up on a lot of it, um, which is really, really good for me. I'm like, oh, <laughs> y'all are not getting any of my jokes. This is making me sad. Um, and so that can be, I find that for me, if I use humor, it helps. Um, you know, there, there are definitely times where I have to you know, deal with serious shit and deal with it in a serious manner. But, you know, I'm like, I, I look at kind of everything that's um, been going on. I mean, the past month, we'll, we'll just say, we'll look at that with like the Kavanaugh hearings. And, you know, that's been kind of tough to deal with. But at the same time, if I don't find a way to laugh, I'm not going to get through it. No, I, I can agree. And, and finding that bit of humor can, it can de-catastrophize the situation. Yes, where, absolutely. you know, um, you know, a professional or uh, uh, something going on with your job or anything in that, you know, finding the humor makes it less the world is coming to an end, which it can feel like when you're in the throes of something, something bad. Yeah. Um, but kind of being, yeah, that humor is is key on it. And I should say, I should have said this off the front. Um, if you are, you know, if you're somebody having real problems, if you're having suicidal thoughts, thoughts of self-harm, harming others, please call the National uh, Suicide Hotline. Call your therapist. Call 911. List of resources I'll put in the show notes for this. Um, yes, so we, are, we are not, meant, neither of us is a mental health professional. We just dealt with a bunch of shit. Right. And sometimes... It's just good to talk about with friends and people who get it. Yeah, we're doctors, but not those kind of doctors. Exactly. However, however, every appointment we have is officially a doctor's appointment. Oh, I've never used that line. That's pretty good. Oh yeah. Oh, it's great. <laughs> even my daughter, even my daughter knows I'm not a real doctor or not that kind of doctor, so I can't play right, card with her right. anymore. So, all right. Yeah. Um, I've I asked I ask everyone on this uh, podcast the same question, so I'll ask you: What's the best thing that you have read lately? And I actually have an answer to that. Last yes. time I had to figure it out and I was like, oh, shit. Um, I am actually currently reading. Uh, it's a book by Alyssa, uh, Alyssa Mastromonaco. Um, who thought that was a good idea and other questions you should be able to answer while working at the White House. Ooh, okay. Um, she was uh, one of President Obama's deputy chiefs. She was deputy chief of staff looking over uh, in charge of scheduling. Um, and she was in that position at age 32 which uh, might have a little bit in common with. So it's kind of, it's kind of interesting to see some of that perspective and be able to go, you know what? It's okay to be accomplished. It's okay to figure out what are the things you need to do. And it's okay to say, you know what? Fuck it. I know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Stop talking. I am right. You are wrong. Twas ever thus. Like, um, so it's been really funny. She's got a really great voice. Um, and I, I know she pops up on a couple of different or other podcasts I listen to. Um, she does a segment on Hysteria, which is a fantastic podcast I've been listening to lately. So 
Excellent. I am on my fourth pass from the library with the Grant biography by Chernow. Um, ah. It's about to expire from the Kindle. Um, I'm on page 700 of like a thousand. I will finish it at some point. It is. It is. I, I, I'm just going slow on it because it's so long, and it, yeah. it, it it's like the Hamilton book plus another book. It's outstanding. It's incredibly well done. But Homeboy wrote There's a thousand. So Homeboy, much. Wrote, Homeboy wrote a thousand pages on Ulysses S. Grant. So, geez. And and that's a lot. That that's a. That's a that's a thing. That's a lot on Ulysses S. Grant. I gotta say. Yeah, so. I don't. I I would struggle to read that. So I've got. I, I, I've so got, got, that's coming from someone who read Gone with the Wind in junior high. Yeah, and I'm like looking at that book, and I'm like, uh, about that. Yeah. Well, it's amazing about it. I mentioned this to in a previous episode. It's crazy. Um, because I, I read the Chernow Hamilton book after I had listened to the musical a hundred thousand times, and yeah. so like you read Chernow and it's a br- it's brilliant. It's a great great history uh, biography, and you can you know you can pick out the elements that Lin Manuel uses in, in in the play, and like you can kind of start connecting the dots. And it may reading Grant's biography by Chernow gives me even more appreciation for what he pulled off because you can pick out the Hamilton play you know, on rewind and in, in hindsight reading yes. it, but now pick up a historical book and okay, write, write a hip hop musical on it. Uh, bleh, 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 bleh. It's uh, uh, there. There's <laughs> a reason he was given the genius grant and we were not true. True. Um, although we are geniuses in our own right. We are, we are, you know, at least we try to be. We're doc- while. Yeah, like I said, we're doctors, just not that. Kind. We're doctors. Yeah, just listen to us. Awesome. We know what we're talking about. Awesome. Shannon, this has been great. Uh, Thank you for suggesting this. Thank you for being brave enough to talk about about your stuff. And uh, I really appreciate it. Hey, I'm I'm just glad we could do this and chat. And I think it's always fun, always healthy. And, you know, with it, having having had lots of mental health days recognized lately, I think it's something that it's good for people to talk about. And it's good for us to acknowledge that, hey – we might be doctors, but you know, we're not perfect and we deal with our own shit. So right. it's good for us to talk about these things and it's good for us to, um, you know, just try to be healthy about it. Absolutely. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. This is always, always fun. As always, thanks for listening to The Other 51. You can find show notes for this episode and all our episodes at sportsmediaguide.com on The Other 51 tab. You can subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. I can highly recommend Overcast for this. Our theme music is by Ellie Moritz. 